from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we're moving forward as a drinks business during the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Ebony Major, Whiskey Blender for Bullet Distilling Co. Ebony, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Adam. Totally. Uh, so, you know, before we get into sort of what's happening now with, you know, whiskey in general, Louisville as a whole, Bullet specifically, um, can you give me a little rundown on your background, uh, how you got into whiskey blending? And for those listening who aren't familiar with what a whiskey what a whiskey blender is, can you give us a little bit of an explanation about that as well? Yeah. So my career started um, almost five years ago. I work as a whiskey blender, um, but started as an intern and I have a BS in food science and chemistry. Um, so I studied um, sensory, um, product development, all of those different variations of food science. Wish I would have paid a little bit more to chemistry, knowing I was coming <laughs> into whiskey and distillation. Um, but I lo- did a little bit of food quality and then I started this role and um, I work on all of our whiskey production, you know, everything from beginning to end. And a big question that a lot of consumers have is what is a whiskey blender? How is that different than distilling? Um, the easy way to answer it, I say, is my job is never done. Um, our distiller who works with us, Dwayne, he's really great. He ha- he has a passion and concern for end-to-end product, but really his job ends once that liquid gets in the barrel. And my job ends when you're at the bar and you're satisfied with that glass. So I am doing end-to-end quality. I am appraising liquid before it goes in the barrel, um, once it comes out of the barrel, and then again when it's time to create our annual formula. So I'm creating formulations as well as working on any innovations and scientific projects. So I kind of dabble my hands in everything, but it's it's a really amazing job when people say, well, what do you do for a living? I just say, I smell and taste whiskey for a living. That's the short of it. But <laughs> It's a, it's a really, a really cool job. What drew you to the job in the first place? Challenges. You know, um, I, I didn't grow up just knowing, ooh, I want to be in the whiskey industry. I knew that I loved food. And then as I started to get older, I realized it wasn't necessarily food or cooking. It was the ingredients and their functionality. Um, for me, you know, even my passion outside of work is looking at foods and skincare and just and just how um, everything that we need, you know, to be healthy is, is provided there for us. But um, when I got into the industry, you know, it was really, is this a risk you want to take? I, I started when I was halfway through my master's. I always tell everybody my father was not happy about me leaving that behind. So I have to finish that. Um, but I really wanted to take the risk at that time and it worked out and I'm in an industry which is very traditional and I am a huge rebel. You know, I see the world as a blank canvas that I can create and make whatever I want to. Um, so I came in with like this new, fresh, you know, challenging mindset. And I think that's what I really love about my job is that while it's the same thing, um, I never get bored. I never get complacent. I'm always learning. There's always a challenge. There's always something new that I can be learning. And that's what really drew me here. And it's is going to keep me here. Is there something about whiskey uh, in general that is more where there's a more more of an emphasis on blending than other spirits? So I think I guess the reason I ask you this is you know I think a lot of people who maybe listen to the podcast or who are aware of whiskey and and the spirits world know that there are names in the whiskey industry whom we know 
right, as blenders, whereas yeah. I don't really think that gets spoken about in any other liquid re- that that often. Is that is that the case or is that just because bourbon and whiskey in general is just so popular, that's why we know all the names when it comes to blending in the whiskey industry? I mean, I think whiskey is definitely number one when you hear about blending, um, more specifically scotch. Um, there was this huge, you know, misconception that blending bourbon was something that it's not blending bourbon is really just, um, optimizing flavor. It's not until you've seen a bad barrel, you know, there's this romantic idea of straight from barrel to bottle, but I've seen so many barrels that I wouldn't want a consumer to see on its own. It gives you an appreciation for the blending process. And so when it comes to bourbon, we're blending for quality and age. We're not blending different types. What we're really doing is mixing at bullet, different mash bills, different yeast, different age and different qualities. So there is this big misconception that bourbon isn't a blended product. It absolutely is. Just not a lot of people really amplify that or talk about it. But then secondly, so you have scotch and you have bourbon and then rum is, you know, the third. And before coming into bourbon, rum was like my favorite. I didn't want (laughs) anything but rum. And then you realize that rum has so much influence from bourbon because when we're done with those barrels, they're going to Scotland. They're going to Canada for Canadian whiskey. They're going to the Caribbean for rum. Um, So rum is also blended as well. So it's it's those main three products. And I'm pretty sure there's others that are, are doing some type of blending. But those are the main three that I've been working with. Interesting. So uh, let's talk now a little bit about what's happening right now at Bullet. Um, Obviously, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, I have to imagine things have changed. But, you know, as a blender, I also have to imagine that it's not that easy to work from home. No. Right. So so what has happened since since everything started? So COVID, well, one, I went to New York. That was my last trip out. Um, and launched Blender Select, which was really okay. fun. And I came back, you know, I was sitting in New York at dinner and then they announced their first case. And so I come back to Louisville and I'm telling my manager, like, look, we have to prepare for this. It's going to happen. Um, but we were pretty speedy. You know, I am a very realistic person and um, a bit of a germaphobe. So what we initially did was um, we tried to work from home and Working from home was a bit difficult. Um, I live in a two-bedroom apartment. And as a blender, you know, one of the biggest things that I had to let go of when I got this job is my love for perfume and scents and heavy foods. And trying to blend while working from home in a two-bedroom apartment was not going to happen. Um, There was no candles. There was no air freshener. There was no cooking, you know, of the foods that you really wanted because you had to keep your home scent neutral. And I'm, I'm used to keeping my home slightly neutral just so that when I pick up a jacket or something, it doesn't smell, you know, crazy when I get to work. But for me, it was like this completely different world where I felt completely restricted in my own home. So um, that was fun, though. For the first three weeks, like being able to hop up from my couch and go to the spare room table and smell some samples, I was living the life for a few weeks. <laughs> I was. That's so interesting, though. I never have thought that as a blender, you really do have to to swear off like perfume, cologne, uh, those types of things in order to be, you know, the best at your job. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like my first day I showed up for work in perfume and I didn't show up the second day that way. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> immediately notified, but just like you, I didn't know that, you know, um, 
I'm a pretty, I, I'm a picky eater. And usually when time, when it's dinner time, I know exactly what I want and I don't sacrifice. If I say I want, you know, uh, a burger today or pizza for, for dinner, I am specific about that because I restrict myself for breakfast and lunch. I eat the same things, mild foods to make sure that when I am doing my job, I am not, you know, impacted or giving false, um, judgment to any of the samples. So I pretty much eat same thing, boiled eggs and, and fruit in the morning. And then lunch is like yogurt or some sandwich, something super light. And if I have, let's say we're going to go and celebrate another employee for lunch, I make sure I do my appraisals before then. So migrating to this work from home situation was really um, an adjustment for me, but I enjoyed um, that because it really gave me a bigger appreciation for the discipline and the care that I take just to make sure my consumers get the same liquids. But, you know, that only lasted for a little bit because we have um, our blending season, which is where we have... Um, and it's usually March through June. So COVID, thank you for coming yeah. at the worst time. <laughs> if COVID would have come now, I would have been like, okay, I can work from home, no problem. But I had to get all of my blends done. So what we did was we split up time in the lab. So um, I would go three days and my manager would go two and then we would swap out. But we did a lot of overtime. I mean, we were there heavily on the weekends just to make sure that, you know, we don't sacrifice quality. If we had to sacrifice our own time, we didn't mind because if you, you see the two of us, we're so geeked out about our job. We love what we do. We love the science of it. So we really just, you know, coordinated our schedules um, to allow us both the time and energy because Working from home was easy when I was just appraising samples, but our lab has thousands of bottles. There was no way I was going to bring all of that home. Right. Um, so when it came to formulation, we just really just did it from from the lab, just part time. And it was different for me because we had just opened the visitor center in July 2019. We, you know, just launched our bullet single barrel program. So I am one, you know, I'm a lab rat, but I love to see the tours walk by. I love to see, you know people and hop out. Um, so it was different for me to really have that adjustment to not seeing as many consumers or to see my tour guys. And, um, we, we opened back up in July and I was like thrilled to, you know, be able <laughs> to, to see people again. I was going up and, you know, having a, a social distant cocktail with consumers, you know, mask on and everything, but it was nice just to get that human interaction with our consumers right. again. So a quick question for you, why does blending happen March to June? Um, just financial year. Um, yeah. Thing in bourbon where like everyone is blending from March to June. No, it's just our financial years. So we're we're blending throughout the year, um, just to make sure everything is stable. But if there is anything like any big changes are happening, um, at that time is when we set our formulas to launch. So is that when you might like you might come up with a new skew of some sort of liquid or things like that? No, that's just the no? that's just maintaining all old skews. Our new skews uh, come okay. out throughout the year. So um, you know, new skews are really um I would say they're really crafted in the fall. I, I I think, you know, fall and spring is our innovations are year round. We don't get the you know, the opportunity to choose when those will come out. Uh, the March to June timeframe is really just for everything that's on the shelf currently. Okay. And I know that you just came out with a new SKU yes. that you, you blended. Um, what goes into that process? So, you know, how, and how do you propose that, that new bottling and say, we should do this? Is it, and how much are you as a blender also looking at trends? So, you know, I know obviously we're seeing in the scotch industry, lots of people now finishing 
in bourbon barrels yeah. and sort of touting the fact that that scotch is, is finished in bourbon barrels because bourbon is the most popular you know, whiskey in, in the country at this point. But you are the most popular whiskey in the country, so maybe you're not looking at those kinds of trends as much. I'm, I'm curious into what goes into, you know, how you guys create these, these new blends. Yeah. So usually the idea comes from our innovation team. We have an amazing okay. group of innovators um, that are studying these trends and figuring out, we have a, a great liquid development team um, that sits in New York with all of our marketing. You know, they're much more experienced at, um, that market research than I am. So okay. usually they come to me with an idea and say, Hey, where are some liquids available? What can we do this time around? I, as always, I, I do whatever I want. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was nervous though. Um, I have a really, and I think, you know, blender select while it is, um, a celebration of what I was able to achieve. Blender Select is also, to me, a celebration of everybody I work with. It's the company that I work for. Um, I never would have imagined working for the largest spirit, you know, company, being able to create my own. Like, who does that? Like, at year four, usually people feel, or employees feel, you only get that creative freedom working at a small company. And it just really goes to show that when you are in a big company, but you have a craft spirit and approach, there's anything you can do. So I, you know, I, my love language, um, I was in the lab and I was, you know, saying a few little, you know, I call it love language curse words here and there. And my manager <laughs> was like, Ebony, what is it? And I told him, I was like, look, I have this idea. I don't want to step on any toes, but I think it would be great. Our portfolio needs a little umph. Um, and he, he didn't second guess me. He said, okay, call up the execs. I called up our brand team, our VP, uh, Ed Bayo and, uh, Sophie, who's our VP of marketing. And they instantly fell in love, like, like love with the idea. Like, you know, tell me a little bit more. Okay. What, why this? But I fully expected to like be arguing my case for six months. Instead, right. it was like, okay, get to work. And I got to work. You know, I started to create um, some of these whiskeys. I started to have conversations with our liquid team under best and, and talk to them about what the idea was about and, and how I saw it positioned in the market. Um, so when it came to the liquid, you know, I would go in and appraise different barrels. And I started to find, I found this one nugget. And I hate that I depleted all of that liquid. That liquid was <laughs> so amazing. It was spectacular. It was caramel. It was spearmint. It was all over the place. It was this really great liquid. And I wanted to use that as, as the pillar because the thing is, is we have tons of liquid and tons of barrels, but you don't always get to see them alone because Bullet is such a robust and blended product for consistency and flavor. I wanted to give consumers the opportunity to see it on its own. So I went through the formulation process and I created some different liquids. I played around with the AV, um, but I they allowed me to you know stick at 50. We started at 45, 48, and then landed on 50 because that was the best flavor profile that I felt I got. Um, and I sent it up to the team and, and they chose between the two blends that I presented to them. They chose two of their favorites. Um, our marketing team and, and packaging team came up with a badass label that I love, uh, the metallic orange on the black label. Um, and that's how that product came about. But you know, for me as Ebony, I don't 
Um, it's funny when I first got in this role as an intern, I was telling my mom, um, I don't know if I can do this. This is a lifestyle. This is not just a job. They expect, I just felt like being in Louisville, Kentucky, it was just a lot. Okay. It was a lot to deal with, but whiskey is literally my lifestyle. Now I, um, I'm always looking at market trends. I'm always doing, even though it's not my job, I'm, I'm looking to see what consumers want because at the end of the day, my job is for them. I, I need to deliver what they want, but the difficult part about it is, is I'm planning 25 years out. And so to stay, you know, ahead of those trends is a very difficult job because, you know, vodka, you find a trend, you can, you know, produce it. Whiskey, you know, you five years behind on, on any innovation. And so, um, I I'm always reading and just seeing what others are doing and seeing what others aren't doing to see where we could be going. Cause you know, as bullet says, you know, the frontier spirit is always staying above and, and going a little bit against the norm. That makes total sense. So, uh, how has it been to sort of launch this blend, uh, and think about like the, where, where we're headed in whiskey against the backdrop of COVID? So do you think that some of the blends you guys will release in the next year or two will be very influenced by COVID? Um, you know, what, what are you sort of thinking about when it comes to how the, the, you know, pandemic is affecting your consumer? Yeah, I think, you know, Blender Select was great. Um, the launch was cut a little bit short because we only went into market in March. But I think what you're going to see for their future is, is truly a, a community-driven brand. Uh, you're going to continue to see Bullet give to the community. You're going to see our innovations um, be centered around people who who built the brand. Um, you're going to see, you know, for us as Bullet, we talk so much, you know, um, when I, I got in this role, brand ambassadorship was not a, in, is not a part of my role. But once I started to go to San Francisco, San Diego, you know, New York, uh, anywhere, it was the bartenders that really gave me the passion. I wouldn't have been able to create Bullet Blender Select without talking to the bartenders, without them challenging me with what they've seen, you know, trends that they are, are um, seeing in the industry. So I think what you're going to see from us is a very impactful approach to what it is that we're doing, whether it be an in innovation or sustainability. Um, we are really being um, intentional about our innovations and what we are going to release to make sure that we're giving back to um, not only the earth that we're taking from, but the community that has continued to help build us. Amazing. Well, Ebony, this has been really great to chat with you uh, today. I I've really enjoyed sort of learning more about whiskey blending, uh, learning more about you and your background, your career, and and the the whiskey that you just launched. Um, where could people, if they wanted to try the, the new bourbon, where can it be found? Well, it's only in 18 states. So wow. I would say, right. So I would say start on bullet.com and find the list of states where it's available. Um, we only released a limited number of cases. There is no more of that blend available. So please, if you can go out and find it, let me know, find me on Instagram and tell me what you think about it, because that's been the best part about all of it is just hearing the reviews because at first I, you know, I was still nervous. I will tell you, uh, even after it released, it was until like maybe, okay, when it won a gold medal, I was like, okay, you know, some experts think 
it's great. But then when you start to see all of the bloggers and all of these uh, bourbon groups and enthusiasts um, applauding my creation, it, it made me feel really good. But I still want to hear from my everyday consumers. And, and I don't know how to make cocktails. So I'm always welcoming people to to give me a cocktail recipe or some kind of challenge. So when you're drinking bourbon, you're drinking it straight? I'm drinking it neat or a brown derby because that's the only thing I can make. <laughs> I admit it. So what's a brown derby for those that don't know? So it's grapefruit juice. And like I said, I eat the same thing in the morning. So I always <laughs> have eggs and grapefruit and oranges. <laughs> so it's grapefruit juice. You make a syrup out of honey. Um, so you mix those with the bourbon and you shake it and it's it. And it's spectacular. <laughs> that's all. I love that actually. It's so simple. Awesome. Well, Ebony, thank you so much again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's been great getting to know you. Um, and all the best as we all make our way through uh, the, our new normal for the next few months. You too. Look, we have to embrace it. I am so grateful for this opportunity, but I'm also looking forward to reconnecting with all of the consumers that are going to be listening to this. You know, the way in which we connect may look different, but we, we will definitely stay connected throughout this. 100%. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.